with the N-words. We begin to put practical tools in place that we can use to make sure that we're walking in step with God. And today is no exception. Today, the practical tool is prayer. And we say that prayer is fundamental in the Christian faith, and it is. The problem is, is we know this, but if you were to count the hours in a week that you spent in prayer, would you say we actually do this? A lot of us say, I, I know prayer is important, but it's not necessarily at the top of the list. Ten days ago, shortly after the election, God put on my heart that we need to start praying for our country. That I need to start praying for my country. And I said, okay, God, uh, the president-elect gets inaugurated on January 20th. They say that the first 100 days of a president's new term uh, in office uh, of a new president are the most crucial. I'll, I'll make up a list of prayer things, and on January 20th, I'm going to start praying for the president of the country. And God said, oh, that's quite good, but I meant now. But God, He's not in office. There's no problems with Him now. And He said, You've been watching the news. Our country is having struggle right now over this thing. It's not pretty. And I said, Okay, God, so what you're saying is you want me to pray those hundred days plus all the days before that? That's a lot. He said, You're praying already, aren't you? So I counted the days of the day. I said, okay, God, I got it. It's 167 days. Every day I pray for the country. Got it. And he said, uh, different things every day. God, why are you trying to make me be specific? And he said, because if I'm going to prosper what you walk in, you have to know what you're walking in. You have to know what you're praying for, why you're praying for it, and what the outcome could be if it's placed in my hands. I said, okay. Specific things. So I recruited some help this last Wednesday, and I got 13 things specific. And I said, okay, that about covers everything. He said, that's really general. When I showed it, and I said, God, here's my list. He's going, you're really, really being general. And I said, God, I don't know how to be specific. He said, there's the problem with your prayer life. You don't know how to pray for now. You only know how to pray for later. Isn't it true? Most of our prayers about what God can do later. He can heal something and fix something. But God wants us to pray now and later. So, I'm praying for the country. Trying to figure out different things to pray for each day. There are plenty. And I'm going to ask you to join me. Now, now effects later. Now you might say, oh really? It does. But but how? Well, let me, let me put it to you very simply. The decisions that you make today will affect how you live tomorrow. The money you spend today is money you do not have tomorrow. The money you don't spend today is the money you do have tomorrow. See how it affects in just a simple way? So it is with our faith. If we're specific in what we're doing, what we're talking about, presently, it will also have long-term consequences. On the other hand, 
What we're not doing also has long-term consequences. Back in the 60s when they took prayer out of school, they said, oh, you know, as long as there's tests, kids will still pray. And uh, some schools were slow to adopt it. But it finally happened. And now we have long-term consequences. Very hard to even get the Word of God into the hands of the school children. Gideons are getting shut out more and more. And it's free. Yet they can be receiving all sorts of other propaganda. But not the Scriptures. Why is that? Because we have a consequence of one area affecting another later. So what we do now does affect later. You might say, like I did when I was in college, well, I'll just cram for the exam and stay up all night. Procrastinate now and panic later. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, baby. But I'm not good at staying awake. (laughs) The only way I could stay up all night in college, I probably can't do it now, but in college, was to have loud music on and a lot of people over so we could have fun. Well, you know what that means for college students when you get a bunch of guys together who want to hang out and study what we do, right? First thing we do is got to go get food. <laughs> and you get the food, you get a little sleepy, so, so you sit down and you talk a while and maybe you go for a walk. Or maybe you go to the gym that's open all night and shoot some moves to wake you up. And by the time you get back to the room, you're so tired, you're going, Oh, I wish I would have studied earlier. Because I certainly won't retain a thing now. And the previous sessions of waiting made it so the cram session, which we planned so diligently the day before, didn't work. Now, effects later. If you want to write that down, there's some truths in that. I want to tell you some of the prayers that I pray for the country. Actually, just one. And, and, and I prayed for it two days after the election when they started protesting in March. And I said, God, stop the protesters. Our country does That was specific. Stop the protesters, God. And he didn't quit yet. They said, God, I prayed for the country. You didn't do anything. I was specific and you didn't stop them. God, am I being being obedient? I don't see any immediate change. Should I quit praying for the country? Isn't that how we pray? Mm -hmm. God, do this. And if you don't, I'm giving up on you. I'm stopping asking because you're not doing what I want. Isn't this what we want to pay off now? Well, all of a sudden, we get obedient in prayer, and we think God's going to go, hey, you're praying now, I ought to reward you right now, but God wants you to stretch that time of prayer out a little bit. To get you into the habit. To get you into praying for more than one thing. To get you into praying for long-term results, but also present presence of God. Most people don't get this, but prayer isn't about results. It's about finding God in your presence and Him being present with you. Prayer is seeking God's face. That's what it's about. Encountering God. So, remember this. When you ask for help from God, His timing does not always align with yours. 
or what you expect Him to do. However, the truth is, His timing is correct. We don't like to hear that. And there's a reason for that. Because we want God to be an ATM machine. Uh, an answer to prayer machine. And, I, and, and here's where this comes from. Because when we were little, and we asked a parent or somebody for something, we didn't expect them to wait to give it to us. If we were hungry, and we said, I need something to eat, we wanted it then. Not later. So with God, we kind of had the same mindset. God, I pray for you things. And I, I, I'm praying for because I want them now. I want them now. How often do you come before God and say, God, you know, I'd really like you to bless my family later. Maybe a few years from now. You know, God, I'd really like you to fix my car in a couple months. God, I'd really like for you to help my son or my daughter or my uh, family member who's sick in a couple of months heal them. We're not doing that, are we? Our prayers are now prayers. We don't pray later prayers. We ask God to do something because it's urgent for us. In our time frame, God is now. God, do this now. Some people say that the Lord's Prayer goes like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, gimme, 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 gimme. <laughs> you ever heard that prayer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we've prayed it. Did you know God made heaven and earth? All the universe and everything in it? He can certainly handle what you're dealing with. He can certainly know when the right time to answer the prayer is. He's not asleep. He's not taking a nap. God is not limited by your situation, although you think He is. God, I don't think you can do this because this is really big. I've never seen someone this sick get healthy, God. It would take a miracle, God, and I don't know if you're big enough. Don't limit God by the problem. Never tell the problem that it's bigger than God. That's what we do. We tell God how big our problem is, don't we? Why don't you tell your problem how big God is? Because He's bigger than that. And it will also give you a whole lot more courage to say, God, I know you got this. Your time, I trust it. I'd like you to do it now, but I'm trusting in your time frame because I belong to you regardless of how you answer this. It's a prayer God can hear. It's a prayer we don't always want to throw that last tagline in either. I will tell you this. Your situation, no matter what you're praying for, what you're going through, does not determine three things. God's ability... God's availability or God's reachability. God is able. He is available. And He is reachable. He's not asleep, says our psalm for today. He's not slumbering. He's not taking a nap. Do you remember Elijah with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel? And the prophets of Baal have set up an altar and Elijah has set up an altar. they got all these prophets of Baal trying to get their God to call down fire to take and accept their sacrifice. And nothing's happening. And often we feel like God's like that. Nothing's happening. Well, here's what Elijah says to those prophets. Why don't you yell a little louder? Maybe your God is asleep. And don't we feel that way? God, you're asleep. 
You must be because you're not answering. You're not doing anything. There's all these problems in the world. God, aren't you doing something? And so, the prophets of Baal start inflicting themselves with pain and cutting themselves. And, and Elijah says, cut your arm off. Maybe you'll listen then. And we think the same way. God, what do I got to do to get you to do something? God, I'll lay down and die if you'll, if you'll save my child. Or, or I'll climb the highest mountain, God, if I know that you'll give me some peace inside. How can I get you to do something, God? I'll make any sacrifice for this answer. And what does Elijah do? After they give up, he pours water mm-hmm. on the sacrifice, which makes it a little less burnable. Mm-hmm. Then he gets more water. And more water. Then the fire of God comes down and burns it all up. God wasn't late. God was at the right time. He knew what He was doing for Elijah. In that moment, those prophets were all slaughtered. And God won a major victory that day. Sometimes when we pray, we think we're invincible. Or sometimes when we're living out our faith, we think we're invincible. My wife has concern for me and her when she's in the vehicle with me. (laughs) And other people who might be in the vehicle with me. Or other people coming the other direction, sideways toward me, or behind me, or next to me, because I'm what they call a distracted driver. Do you know where that mindset comes from? The sense of I am invincible. That what I'm doing shouldn't affect you out there. That it's what I want to do. And you are second to what I think is important. That invincibility doesn't work. But when we pray, (laughs) or when we don't pray, we think God... I got this. Until it gets a mess. God, you know, I tried. I worked hard at it. I did my best. Now you got to fix it. <laughs> you know, you ever had any of those fix-it prayers? Uh-huh. Oh, I don't like fix-it prayers. <laughs> but I get them all the time. I pray them a lot. And, and God keeps saying, why are you praying for me to fix it instead of letting me run it from the beginning? <laughs> why are you asking me to fix it later? And say, let me run it now. Have you learned this lesson? Maybe. Maybe not. You see, I often drive too fast. And I don't mean like 90 and a 50. I just, no, I wouldn't do that. But I, I tend to think that I'm a better driver than other people. And it's a common idea among drivers that nobody else knows how to drive but them. Did you know that? Uh-huh. Isn't it true? There are a whole bunch of bad drivers out there. Mm-hmm. But you're not one of them. They're all men. See? So women say men. Men say women. Yeah. Uh, adults say youth. Youth say old folks. You know, they all, they all got their class of people. But they're not the ones who are the bad drivers. 
It's true, isn't it? And, and, and the funny thing about that is that God in this passage is saying, I desire to preserve, protect, and provide for you. To preserve us from evil, to protect us from the enemy, and provide shelter. But He wants to preserve our soul first and foremost in all situations. So I was distracted driving this week. I looked up. It was on 58. Now, y'all may not know that road real well, but it's not very busy on the part where I was, and I've, I've rarely seen a car on it. But I looked up, and I noticed I was about four feet in the other lane, and I'm going, oh, I'm not a very good driver, and I saw about a quarter mile ahead of me, maybe 300 yards, another car coming my way. And I said, oh, I better get in the other lane, so I pulled in the other lane. And the other guy, about five to ten seconds later, his catches up to me. And he's mad. He's honking his horn. He's, he's communicating his love through hand gestures. <laughs> Tell me how much he appreciates that I scared him. <laughs> That's what we do. We go, you can't drive. And I said, you know, I, I just drove like an idiot. And, and I said, and here's what I said. Well, nobody was hurt, so it was okay. What was I thinking? Sometimes we go, well, you know, God's going to forgive me for this mistake I'm about to make. (laughs) Or He'll protect me from evil, as the psalm says, right? He'll preserve me. And God's going, why are you making my job harder? (laughs) What makes you think I'm always going to do it when there might be a moment I'm trying to get your attention to not do that anymore? If you will let God lead, Psalm 23 says He leads in paths of righteousness. So who is it that's choosing to go a different direction for us? Not God. God's very clear, I'm trying to preserve you from evil. If we don't follow His path of righteousness, He gives warning signs saying, you're going the wrong way. I got a bunch of them. I didn't listen to him. As a ma- I was going to take a picture of this one because it was perfect. But I, I've read this sign a lot of times. I'm sure you've seen it. If you ever drove to Murray on 641 or on the interstate, it says, <clears throat> move over or slow down for accidents in the highway. You seen that one? Mm-hmm. What if you just had the first line there? Move over and slow down. Accident or not. That sign was there. I saw that sign lots of times, but I didn't move over and slow down because there was no accidents. (laughs) Just one waiting to happen. (laughs) Driving a van, not saying who it was. License plate says Rev. John. (laughs) He gives warning signs. He keeps giving more. So Wednesday, about 12.15, I've got my wife's old phone in my hand. And a text pops up. We're getting ready to upgrade to the phone she has now. And a text comes through from one of her friends and says, I don't know why God's telling me to tell you this, but slow down. So I tell my wife about the text. I say, hey, your friend of yours said to tell you to slow down. She says, I, I don't need to slow down. I'm, not, I'm sitting in my office. And I said, well, maybe it's for me. Because the person didn't know why she was sending it to my wife. Oh. 
that she was sending it through her phone, which was in my hand, and it popped up. God is telling me to slow, to tell you to slow down. I'm saying, told my wife needs to slow down. <laughs> Do you think God's giving me time <laughs> all over the place? And you got listening. I'm not listening. Five hours later, I'm coming through the detour on 62. 1,300 feet south of it, or 1,700 feet south of that detour. I'm looking down at my radio, distracted driving. I guess maybe it wasn't very loud on the radio or something, it was a good station because a deer was attracted to it. Oh. <laughs> Little fawn, hey, that must be some Jesus music. I'm going to worship with the preacher. Maybe he'll slow down and let me listen. No. Five minutes later, I'm on the phone with my insurance agent, Larry Joe. I'm saying, Larry Joe, I just got Bambi. He said, really? What happened? I said, well, he was in the road, so was I. I didn't see him. He was only about this tall, but regardless, I wasn't looking. I had to slow down. When I, if I'd have been looking, I'd have slowed down. I only got this much of the bang with it. This much. If I'd have slowed down maybe five miles an hour, if I'd have seen him, that wouldn't have hit him. If I'd been looking. If you slowed down. And all of a sudden, looking back, all that text my wife got. Oh, the sign on the side of the road. All these signs, guys, you're telling me to slow down. Why am I now not listening, but now I get it? And he's saying, because you didn't slow down, you got the consequences later. You don't slow down now, you will later. Matter of fact, you'll stop in your tracks. I showed my wife the skid marks on the way down here. I said, oh, there's the skid marks. I was proud of them for some reason. <laughs> wasn't really proud of them. But what I'm saying is, God's trying to get our attention and say, I'm preserving you from evil, but you're not helping. If you're not praying for your country, specific things, for your family, every day, for short-term and long-term things, then how are you going to know whether or not God's active in your life? When he, when he began to tell me this stuff, I'm going, okay, church, we got to pray. I'll get some stuff together and y'all can pray. That isn't what he wants. He wants me to pray and invite you to pray with me. Specifically. In Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, there's a, there's a passage I didn't really understand. Try often to understand. It talks about the Israelites wandering through the desert and it says God will give them rest. And it says one day there will be rest. And it says Jesus Christ gives us rest. And I'm going, wait a minute. If He means rest, that means I can sleep. No, that's not what He's talking about. Sometimes we look at the word rest and we, we put it into our own mind frame. So if you're tired, you think rest means sleep. Or if you got kids, you think rest means a nap. Yeah. Or the kid's going to bed early so you can rest a while before you go to bed. All that kind of stuff. Or maybe, maybe rest for you means that you can just breathe. Like that. 
And in this chapter in Hebrews, and what he's talking about is a rest for our soul. It means that the work of salvation has been done. That we don't have to wander around trying to find our hope and our strength. That God has made present right now, the day of salvation right now, not later, now, that we can enter into the relationship with Jesus Christ that stops us from striving to be a part of the kingdom, to earn His blessings, to earn His favor, to earn His love, or to find a way to make sure God is satisfied with who we are in the future one day when we see Him face to face. Rather than saying, right now, I have rest. Because God has said I'm loved and acceptable. Right now, I have a relationship with God because I talk with Him. I share my heart with Him. I share my life with Him. Right now. Not one day pie in the sky by and by am I living for Jesus, but right now. Not later. But now, and later. Because <laughs> if I'm not doing it now, how can I do it later? He'll say, I never knew you. But I'm not doing it now. And here's what happens when we get in a rush. You see, this is my mindset. And maybe... I'm guessing most of the world's mindset, especially in this country, when we're going somewhere, we have a time frame. For example, church starts at 11. Ends at 12.15. Ish. Sometimes earlier. Sometimes not. But what I'm trying to say is we have a time frame of which things work on. So if we're driving somewhere or going somewhere and we feel the least bit anxious or like we might not be on time because the clock is running our time frame, we lose our rest. Because now we're thinking about getting there rather than being where we are. There's no rest in that. There's a device on my steering wheel. Let me show you how this works. It's an amazing device. I'm not talking about the horn. <laughs> Some people are going, yeah, I have a horn. You know, time. Should have honked at the deer. No, it's called cruise control. Yeah, they put them on cars. I don't know if you know what it's for. But the specific purpose that they created it for was so you could set your speed at a legal limit and not have to look at it. Oh, I'm going too fast. Remember, he bought on the gas. It was to keep you at constant speed. A legal speed. So here's what I did. I figured out the speed limit. There's signs for it. Oh, not, not the, the clock doesn't determine the speed, okay? It's the signs. On the sides of the road that we, we don't look at. Warning signs. Right? And I said, well, legal is below that or that. And if I said it at that and I'm going downhill, I'm going to be violating the law and they could actually give me a ticket for that even though they probably wouldn't. So I said, let's try a couple miles an hour below. And so I'm going 53 and a 55 on 307 Wednesday and people are passing me like I'm a fool I said I'm going 2 miles an hour slower than the speed limit you don't have to go around me going 80 on 62 it was worse and I'm going I want to go faster I want to get there 
And all of a sudden, God said, do you remember that deer about two hours ago? Yeah. I, said, yes, I remember that deer two hours ago. I'm kind of upset about it. He said, your mindset wants to go back to what it was right before you hit that deer. What do you feel right now? I said, I feel anxious because people are passing me. I feel anxious because it will take me longer to get home. And he said, but what else do you feel? I said, I feel like I have more time to react than the speed I normally drive. And I can see things coming and it's coming a little slower. And he said, are you getting it yet? Things are slowing down for you. Life is moving a little slower around you because you're not going through it so fast. You can take a breath and look at the scenery that's not rushing by. You can be where you are without thinking about where you're going. I was thinking about being at church, what I was going to say Wednesday night. Guess what? I never said it. Folks saw me walk in with an ashen look on my face. I really, really wasn't sure what I was saying. I was in shock still. Uh, bless Diane's granddaughter for being there at the four-way in uh, Lovelessville and following me here. An angel. But the reason I share this with you is because we're focused on what's next instead of what's right now. And when we pray, we're not focused on what's next, we're focused on what's right now. It's backwards. God, we want it right now. But we can't get there from here right now. It takes time. And God wants us to slow down because He will get us there at His timing. We won't get there early. God wanted me here at quarter to six. I'd have been here about 525. But I, God wanted me here at quarter to six. I had a bunch of cool stuff to say too if I'd have remembered it, but I didn't remember it. And He didn't, apparently didn't want me to say it. You understand? God has a way of getting you there where He wants you, when He wants you there, in the mindset He wants you to be there. Yep. He's good at that. And He'll give you warning signs and, and sometimes positive signs along the way saying you're going the right direction or you're not. And this is what I'm trying to say. When, when, when I'm going slower than the speed limit, I have time to think. I don't have to focus on, i got to keep it on the road or we're going forward. I focus on the road. So all I'm thinking about is getting there. Getting around the next car. Getting around the corner before the guy ahead of me gets it and the light turns or something like that and busting through before the light turns on me. This is what I'm thinking about. But if I'm going the right speed, I can say, okay, the light's turning. I'll slow down. It'll turn green again. And I can go. There's no panic. We are so anxious as people. And God in this psalm keeps saying, I am your Lord. I do not sleep. I do not slumber. I will be with you in your going out. And you're coming to in. I will be with you now. And I will be with you even forevermore. We have nothing on our agenda that's so important that we have to neglect God and the journey in getting there. Here's what we can learn. That we can be obedient and remain within God's law and the legislation that our society and governments have in place without having to compromise. 
Life is not that urgent. They say, you only live once. YOLO, that's not true. You only die once. You live every day. Every moment you're alive. Every moment is an opportunity to connect. Every moment is a chance to see God's beauty and wonder. Unless your mind is focused on one thing. Getting it done. Getting it there. Finishing the job. You miss God in it all. And God keeps saying to you what He's saying to me, slow down. Slow down. Before you stop completely. Don't get ahead of yourself. Get there when you get there. The Scripture says God is your keeper. Not you. You are not your keeper. God is your keeper. A tragedy. Thank God nobody was hurt besides a little fawn. Changes everything. Including perspective. Guess what? Got out of the van. Wednesday after I hit the deer. And I'm not thinking, man, I gotta get to church. I'm thinking, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Is there parts of my vehicle on the road? Is the deer on the What do I need to do to make sure everybody else is safe? That wasn't on my mind five minutes previous. It was all about me getting where I need to be. See how the perspective changes mm-hmm. when things stop? We need to slow down intentionally before God stops us. That's why God says now is the time to pray. And later is the time to pray. It took a deer strike to slow me down. To change my perspective on driving. To enjoy the journey and not focus on the destination. Because prayer is the journey that gets us to God's destination. This so happens. I've got a reminder for everybody about today's message. In case you didn't know it, now and later is a candy. I don't know why it's called that unless it's because it takes so long to eat it. You start it now and you're still eating it later. <laughs> I'm not sure. But but I've got some here. I've got like half a pound of it here. There's enough for everybody to get a piece of it. Um, as a reminder to you to pray now. And then pray later. And later when you start to pray me now again. Pray without ceasing, right? Why do I say this? Because the urgency is the now. In the eighth verse, it says, The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in. Shall preserve it. Ladies, this is not canning. Preserves. This is the preserve that says protect. Watch over. Go with you. Be with you. Lengthen your stay. He will preserve it when you leave your home, when you come home. Both. And and the last part of that verse says, from this time forth, which is right now, 
And forever, which is later. Mm -hmm. Your faith is not about heaven. Your faith is about right now. Later will happen later. Focus on now. What are you doing for God now? Are you praying now? Are you living out the gospel? Are you still living your life for a later promise? I pray you don't have to hit a mirror and get you a different perspective. And my wife has been praying for years for me to stop doing that. Her answer is now, not later.